I, I can wear several different hats, but just to stay very much related to the content we just created together, uh, I mean, I'm offering membership at this community. Remember. We have, of course, the the freemium version or the sort of very accessible version of the core, the core which is for anybody, not our past, present, or future. Yeah. That's what I would like to offer to leaders. And see, and and the needs wise, yeah. So needs, I mean, I would say we're always looking for folks that are hungry for these compounding relationships mm-hmm. and that want to join the community. I mean, I think it's real. I think it's both. It's both a a something to give and something that we're we need because. Yeah. I think that this is the best gift I can give. It's where my skills and passion and 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 superpowers come into focus yeah. is on building these kind of groups. And you know, having done it now for the last five years in Sweden, I can say that we we are creating incredible value in the lives of all of our members. Most folks in the society don't dare to think big, let alone act on it. Vincent isn't one of those people. After moving from America five years ago, Vincent became a serial entrepreneur, founding companies and communities at a very high pace. With his infectious passion for innovation and human connection, Vincent is placing himself at the forefront of Stockholm's development. And he is inviting existing and aspiring entrepreneurs to join a conversation and be a part of a vibrant community of people that empower each other. Hello, Winston. Such a pleasure to meet you. You are a brilliant individual who has a very rich history and hyper-social on top of everything. How are you? How are you doing? Well, thank you so much for the kind words. I, I feel honored to be here, so thanks for reaching out. Yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit about your history. Uh, how did you come to Sweden? What are you doing here in Sweden? What is your background? And how did you come to be, how, how did you come to foster uh, communities with growth mindset? Thanks. And, uh, you're right. I am an American living in Sweden now for five years. Yep. I'm from a very entrepreneurial background. Mm-hmm. So four generations ago, my great grandfather moved to Texas and decided to build probably the best business you can imagine for uh, the next hundred years, which was furniture. You know, they say you're supposed to sell uh, shovels and pickaxes to the gold rush. And certainly Texas has had tons of, of its own gold rushes over the years, but everybody that's moved there for that has needed furniture for their new home. And so my grandfather really fortunately was building uh, a furniture business at the time. And, and that certainly created lots of opportunities for my family. And, um, you know, my dad is an entrepreneur. I'm in a sense, the fourth generation entrepreneur, uh, if you count my mom and dad's side together. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that at a young age, I grew up in this kind of entrepreneurial community that had more of a purpose to it than the average business, certainly that I saw back then. And it was a very religious context. So my family, very, uh, conservative Christian family. Mm-hmm. And my uncle, when he was about my age, around 33, he stepped out of the family business to start building a church. And it, it happened when uh, some guys that were in the warehouse of our family furniture business came to him and said, we really admire how you've been handling these conflicts in the warehouse, you know, with, with guys that are in a lot of cases coming directly from drug rehabilitation programs. And they said, can you teach us, uh, basically how to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And first my uncle started doing this in his home 
And then he started slowly taking more and more steps to expand into bigger and bigger groups as the, as the group size grew. And today, my uncle is the pastor of a church with hundreds of members, and almost all of them are in some way related to the mission of serving drug addicts, prostitutes, ex-prisoners, really the, the ones that Jesus came to save, in my uncle's words. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I did not embrace that Christian side of the community rules that my uncle and really my whole family had in mind, but I'm still so struck by the beauty of this mission mm-hmm. and what it is doing to improve the lives of people that are really suffering and have potential to be light in their community and, and to serve others and have been stopped by some bondage to an addiction or another unhealthy lifestyle choice. And so my uncle, his role as a leader and as a community builder has been liberating these people from those addictions and giving them a place for purpose and value and self-exploration in the context of a community. And so I was really struck by him. And and to this day, despite our differences, I would still consider him one of my role models when it comes to building communities and really organizations that add value to the world. So a lot of inspiration comes from your uncle. I certainly have have seen his influence more and more. And, you know, my dad is also an entrepreneur and has done great work to build cohesive and uh, teams that are built around trust and positive encouragement. And so this value system for for me is uh, trying, I hope it animates the work that I do in the world. I see, I see. And now you came to Sweden and now you're facing a very different culture uh, compared to what you're used to, which which you grew up in, so you started to build your entrepreneurial your the companies that you founded. What did you follow? Yeah, yeah, I can I can kind of uh, get to that point as well because, as I said, you know, did not really see eye to eye with the family in terms of some of the commitments that these religious communities require yeah. from their members. Yeah. and I think every community rightfully makes demands on its members, and that's actually what gives you an identity. It's what gives culture to these groups. And it's totally fair to have um, rules and responsibilities and roles that people play. Now, when it came to you know specific things about, say, the role of women in society or the, you know, can, the restrictions on I do, I, yeah, all, all of the religious, the religious uh, elements that I didn't agree with in mm-hmm. that tradition that I grew up in, I, you know, I saw it escape when I first came to Sweden as a college student, and I and I, I I didn't understand it fully at the time. But what I've come to realize about Sweden and why I think Sweden is one of the best countries in the world, and certainly the best country in the world for me, is that this is a place that lets the individual become themselves in a in a way that very few other places do. So this is an extremely self, uh, individualistic society. It's one that celebrates the individual becoming self sufficient. And I think it's interesting to to contrast that with this idea of strong communities, because it's almost as if Sweden is is saying becoming an individual, becoming a person that chooses yourself and it, it has the freedom to explore yourself. That is more important than any kind of bond that you could form to another person. And so for just as an example, in Sweden, you, you don't have marriage happening as as often as certainly you do in the U.S. where I'm from. And, and you know, the Stockholm marriage is basically living together, but without this restrictive covenant that says we're going to try to make this work under any circumstances, right? And and you have a lot of people living alone here in Stockholm because that is a great way to find yourself and express yourself. Now, as we've maybe talked about, it has consequences for loneliness, but certainly as I was running away from a very restrictive community that I didn't agree with and didn't fit into, 
I found so much freedom and, um, and the ability to become the best version of myself here in this country. And that is ultimately why after years and years and years of trying to move to Sweden, I finally was able to do it five years ago. Um, and, and as you say, in becoming that best version of myself, I was able to access this entrepreneurial route that was dormant in the US. So in the US, I mean, I, I had a very traditional corporate career, started working at McKinsey and Company, went to go as the chief of staff for a big, you know, multi-billion dollar financial services firm, mm -hmm. um, very traditional route where kind of, you know, make a lot of money and work in these hierarchical organizations and try to make it to the top. And I knew that was somebody else's dream. That wasn't my dream. I could easily see my parents steering me toward this path. I didn't want either of those jobs that I just said, even though they paid great, even though they had great credentials, yeah. they weren't for me. They, they were somebody else's journey for my life. So you came here and you started to follow, you, you made a couple of uh, companies or? That's right, yeah. So we're sitting here in the NVIDIA growth office and this is a company I started in 2019. We're a management consulting firm, and we basically help big companies discover that same uh, sense of inner entrepreneurship that I found in myself. And so we've been helping large Swedish companies and even large American companies like MasterCard to engage with the startup ecosystem. And uh, so we run the MasterCard Lighthouse program, which is an incredible gym for the Nordic and Baltic tech ecosystem. Highly recommend folks to come to our events that we have all the time. We actually had an event coming up on November 8th here in Stockholm. All right. Um, and yeah, so that, that's been my main source of legacy. And then the work that I do on the weekends is building community. And so I can talk a little bit about Stockholm Founders Coral yeah, yeah. and some of the other groups that we have. Yeah, I would definitely love to hear more about uh, Stockholm uh, Founders Coral. Yeah, it, so Coral started out as a rejection letter. And I mean, I mentioned the Lighthouse program. So four years ago, I had the, <laughs> I had the job of rejecting all of the companies that applied to the program and weren't gonna get in for various reasons. And I thought to myself, okay, this, is, this job kind of sucks because this is letting people down. And I don't actually think that some of these companies are bad. I just think that they don't fit the program. So I included in my rejection letter a little sentence that said, I'd love to meet you. Do you want to come for a run with me on Sunday? And a lot of people, responded positively to that. And actually, you know, we had about seven, eight folks meet up this first Saturday, four years ago, um, or some Sunday, whatever it was. And when we met, I realized, okay, folks are, are actually hungry to meet other like-minded people that are on the same path and have reached some of the same milestones. So at that moment, I decided to create the very embryonic version of the community that we have today. Mm -hmm. So we built a you know, simple messenger chat group. And I just started adding all the founders that I would meet over the years. Okay. And it was this really interesting um, progression because we kind of hovered around this five, six person mark every single week at this community. And we get great founders for running. For Yeah, we'd run, we'd eat brunch. Honestly, uh, I, just, I didn't see this earlier, but I'm, I'm like quite a competitive runner. So I think that would often scare people away after they would come on one run. And the run itself has always been a fairly small piece of the community. But uh, but over the years, you know, the, the chat group has grown. We're now on a Discord platform. People are sharing opportunities all the time. It has hundreds of members. And what we realized is that, you know, even though we're creating all this value for folks, there was still this inconsistency in who was coming week after week. And I started to ask myself, why? Is that because we could do a better job of creating, you know, strong ties? Is it because 
there's something in the culture of Sweden that limits people from uh, making these commitments? And probably the answer is both. Um, but certainly I've, I've come to recognize that this same strand of individualism that made Sweden such an attractive place for me and lets people come and, you know, live alone and be the best version of themselves without the, the dependency on any sort of relationship, either to the family, to the partner, to, sure. to you know, anything other than the state in mm -hmm. some sense. That same culture is also a limiting factor for building communities, or it's at least an obstacle for people that are trying to build them. And it's not, it's, it's a totally surmountable obstacle, right? If we can get over this, if- And I'm sure, I'm curious to hear, how did you overcome this kind of- Yeah, I, and, and certainly overcome, I, we're, we're in the process of, of just ad adapting to that realization, mm -hmm. right? So it, in the exact same way- Yeah, so it, the, the philosopher Immanuel Kant talks about how in every single person, there's a tension between the desire to be free and the, the need for community, right? So we all have that inside of us and certain cultures uh, swing to one side or the other of that spectrum? Or do we want to be more free? Do we want to be more in community with each other? Mm -hmm. I think Sweden is, is swinging pretty far to the side of wanting to be free and therefore it's further away from the power of community. And community has power, right? It, I, I started with the story of my uncle and I think um, it, at its best, communities give us the ability to learn uh, from others. And we talked about this notion of experimenting, right? You can yeah. test ideas on a community and get real feedback from them in ways that you can't by yourself. Uh, communities also give you access to generosity. I've seen this in my uncle's church. I saw this all growing up that they can be an incredible place for, for folks to donate their time and resources and, and lots of, of advantages that groups can give to an individual yeah. that are stronger than that individual could come for by themselves in a, like a market context. And the communities also give access to accountability. And I think this is a, such a, a powerful force for delivering on goals, because if we're making them publicly, if we're committing to them and we have other people helping us to hit those things, that, that's an additional source of motivation yeah. that uh, individuals by themselves don't have as, as much. Um, so I think community has incredible power. And yet I think it's also probably lacking in Sweden relative to places like the U.S., and so when we recognize this about the, the founders quarrel that we had here, we had this great chat group. It was a relatively low um, effort community, right? Yeah. We, we call it participation based. Okay. And the reality is there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't commitments. There wasn't that accountability. There wasn't a sense of a, 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 a strong bonds bringing people together on a daily basis. Now it, it serves its purpose. And certainly people that come through my house or wherever we host it on a weekly basis, these people come up feeling refreshed, revitalized, better versions of themselves in some way, I hope. Yeah. But it's not as powerful as it could be were it married to some of these other uh, ideas of, of commitment, right? Of, of duty to a community, of accountability that comes from making and meeting commitments, right? Yeah. And so on top of this very broad platform of the coral, which, you know, and coral, I mean, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like in nature, this diverse reef system that supports Beautiful analogy. It supports a lot of diverse life. I mean, corals are less than 1% of the ocean and yet they have 25% of the marine species, mm -hmm. right? And they create a ton of economic value and they're, they thrive in, in uh, nutrition, uh, the, uh, the nutrition sparse waters. So they're, they're, uh, they're actually saving life that would not be able to exist otherwise, right? Okay. And we see our role in the founder world as providing that kind of life yeah, support in this nutrition sparse landscape, right? And so, but on top of this very broad community, which by the way is open to students, it's open to, we call them 
founders past, present, and future. So <laughs> if, if you want to start a company one day, come by. I have actually seen folks that have been working corporate jobs their whole career decide to start companies because of the influence of our community. Amazing. And how often does the, 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 there's their meetings? For the oh, it's every week. We meet on Sundays. And honestly, okay. to this day, four years later, that's still a very manageable group size. I mean, I sit- How many people do you really come? It's anywhere between 30 and like even sometimes it's just me, to be honest. Okay. It, 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 and this is this is one of the observations that we made is like, wow, we, we're getting great engagement and people are coming back time after time. Yeah. How can we do more to create this sense of accountability and habits? Yeah. And that's actually where the next layer of this community was born in my mind mm-hmm. is, okay, I've seen the value of compounding relationships mm-hmm. and I've seen the power that community can create when there's a sense of, you're working together towards some bigger vision and goal. And so on top of this group, which is open to everybody, it's purely participation-based. Yeah. We've built another community that has a higher sense of uh, commitment yeah. and, and commitment in multiple senses. Yeah. So first, and that group is called Growth Minds. So Growth Minds, in a way, is the sort of graduated version of the core. Okay. We think about it a little bit. We sometimes joke that it's the Freemasons and the Illuminati, right? The Freemasons are our community and the Illuminati was a subset of the people within the Freemasons. And, and it was a little bit harder to get into that group. And we, we have a kind of similar uh, tiering within our, our sector because- The growth mindset group is uh, like the Illuminati, the harder group to get into. It's, it's a slightly more selective group. And the thing is that we're based around a couple of insights around community building there. So the first insight is that people really want to be around others that remind them of themselves. That's a bias that we all have. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate sometimes, um, but it's also really refreshing in other moments where you realize, wow, this really hard problem that I'm experiencing, I'm not alone. I, there's other people that can relate to me, even though I thought, you know, I was, I, I had this one-off thing. I've seen a lot of CEOs, for example, that come to this group, have that insight and feel this sense of connection that is really hard to beat. Yeah. So we've built our, our growth minds group around that insight that, um, if you're bringing people together you know, you want to make sure that there's a strong um, affinity bias from the very beginning, and we can select people to meet that criteria. Could you a little bit talk about the affinity bias for those who don't understand what that? Yeah. So affinity bias is a cognitive bias. There's hundreds. Uh, there's over a hundred cognitive biases that we humans are are subject to, and it means that we want to spend time around people that remind us of ourselves, um, and we are actually more inclined to like those people. And we're more inclined to avoid people that are not like us. They don't look like us. They don't have the same experiences or background or, um, you know, even just physical appearance. Yeah. And so here's the the root of a lot of the sort of discrimination in the world. And yet I believe that as a good host, you know, this is a hackable bias. So basically you can take people that may not believe that they're that similar. And as a good host, you can tap into this decision-making heuristic that all of us have. Yeah. And you can actually bring up the similarities that we all share as humans. Exactly. That way, right? Through storytelling. Through storytelling and through just accentuating the right points of connection. Um, and so... And magic happens. Yes, exactly. And now, now there are certain things that you need to kind of have, a, uh, that need to be a little bit more obvious than others. And for us in our Growth Minds community, it's startup founders, right? This was a feedback we got from our members that... The, the, let's call them the, the founders that have raised serious amounts of venture capital, when they would come to a brunch at my apartment and then they would, they would meet a student mm-hmm. that, you know, a student that had never started a company, they'd say, okay, this is a nice community, but these are not my peers. So how can we create a group for the peers? 
Now, peer is a very subjective term, right? And uh, and I have actually successfully managed to create a group of of quote unquote peers that is uh, people at very different stages of their startup journey. The fact that we're all CEOs is the starting point, though, and that is a, a, a reason why I think, in this, in a way, we can relate to each other. Um, so, all that to say, we built this additional community around a clear sense of of um, of this affinity bias as a kind of curated uh, point, right? So, curated is one of the values that we have with growth minds. I see. But we also talk about accountability. And we talk about consistency, yeah. right? So accountability, uh, from my point of view, is the ability to form, to, to, to make a commitment and to meet it um, on a regular basis. So Vincent, I'm curious, what did you learn about building strong communities? I think they're built around five pillars. And this is something that I've developed with the folks in the Growth Minds group. But it starts with this curation point. And at Growth Minds, we're we're a curated group of people that, in some way, automatically relate to one another on on a very basic resume level. So, you know, affinity bias. This point that we like the people that remind us of ourselves, that have the same experiences and background and shared experiences. That's the first point. Yes, this mm -hmm. th th this is this is an essential piece of building a strong community. Is that it needs to be curated in some way, selecting for people that will inherently relate to each other. And again, it's the job of a host to bring those points out. Yeah. A lot, you can relate to basically anybody, but the host needs to set the rules and establish the, the, fr the framework for why you're going to relate to people and then bring out those perceived similarities. So curated is the first point. The second point is reliable. Mm -hmm. So we try to make, uh, we, our, our, our group is reliably delivering value to the community. And one of the major ways that we do that is by having a third point of consistency. So consistency means showing up every single week. It means actually making a commitment to be present. Um, we, we're, we're allowed to miss one meeting per year. Mm. Where there are fines, oh. there are fines associated with being late. And guess what? That means people show up. We have a ninety-seven percent attendance rate at our at our group. Mm -hmm. So that is a very strong. Uh, that's that's a part of the way we're able to create this reliable value for members. And, and again, it's based on consistency. So I mean, another insight around consistency is the, is the fact that compounding of value occurs if it's, if it's happening year after year after year, month after month after month. And that's how many of the folks in our community would describe their ability to, um, to uh, the, the value that they get from our group is, is a compounding relationship. Yeah. And sometimes it's even crazy. We can notice the compounding that happens on a Tuesday when the meeting was on a Monday, right? You can see, you can see the insights and then your relationships and the values growing day over day. So that's the third point. the The fourth point is structured. So we actually take a very structured approach to the way we do this. Um, I think there's tons of networking events and there's tons of let's call them uh, less uh, like weak ties that we can build to other people. But in order for a strong tie to exist, there needs to be clear rules that we follow. We need to have clear responsibilities. Yeah. And and the way we do that in the growth minds is that when we meet for dinners, they're three hours long. We follow a very clear structure. There are very clear rules and there are rules that we follow. Yeah. I think this is part of the way that we can create the reliable value that I see that we produce week after week is through the structure. Um, and then finally, we talk about meaningful relationships. Mm -hmm. So we try to talk about the most meaningful things in our lives mm -hmm. with this structure. Nothing's off limits. Um, and it's it's a highly confidential uh, session and and that is what allows us to go through these extremely 
meaningful topics with one another. And you're talking about not just uh, corral uh, growth mindset corral. You're talking about the, uh, so there's two communities, right? There, yes, there's two communities that are linked by the same mission and same vision. Mm -hmm. And that vision is to help leaders better uh, understand themselves and become better versions of themselves so that they can better serve society. Yeah. In the coral, our main goal, the main way that we execute on that mission is we help people build healthy habits for their, their body and mind so that they have the energy to self-start and not settle. That That's our mantra that we have left to come uh, yeah become like a, a weekly join weekly it, it, it's incredible i mean we run and we eat together and it's it's this refreshing um you know intellectual conversations yeah um so that's the coral and then when it comes to the growth minds there that our mission there is to help one million leaders around the world to become better versions of themselves so that they can better serve society. I hear you. And so this is where we, we are building an institution, an institution that has clear rules, that requires clear commitments from members, um, and, and that is inherently more structured and has more reliable value uh, as part of the format. I see, I see, I see. And how can an average individual tap into the power of communities to really uh, reach their potential? Do you have any perspective on that? I think individuals should commit uh, to groups because especially in a place like Sweden, it can be hard, especially in a, a modern world that is increasingly becoming individualistic and pushing people more towards self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. um, it's important that we remember we all got here because two people came together and created us, right? We are, we are inherently social animals, even in places like Sweden where it's easy to forget that sometimes. Yeah, and, and culture is strong towards the individualistic and- uh... It's super strong. Yeah. And yet, we have this tie to others. And I think that one of the best ways to get access to those benefits of community that we talked about, the access to generosity, access to learning and accountability is to commit to others. Yeah. And so that's what we try to encourage people to do with Growth Minds. And that's uh, the number one uh, challenge I would give to people is who can you commit to? How can you make something that can actually compound in value year after year? Um, I, just two examples from my personal life that aren't related to those communities I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I met a guy three and a half years ago now, and we decided when we met, like, wow, this, this, we've hit it off. This is this seems like this could be a great friendship. Why don't we meet for lunch? Or no, why don't we meet for dinner every other week? And at first that sounded kind of crazy. And honestly, I've said that to probably three or four people in my life, but this guy took me up on the challenge. Okay. And we've actually been meeting for dinner more or less twice a month for the last three and a half years. And that was incredible uh, on its own. It turns out that that relationship has been become one of the most meaningful relationships in my wow. life. And it's simply because we committed and we followed through on our commitment to each yeah. other. So that's one example. And then the second example is I've been hosting breakfast here in my office now for about four years as well. I, it, today, I would just had the last breakfast a few months ago. It's the same institution of bringing different people in over and over again. Um, and, and, and I, and I will say that despite the fact that, um, you know, it's me coming every single time, the fact that it's different people, each, sure. each, the, the, the value of that institution is lower for me than these dinners that happen, you know, every other month, even though it's way more people engaged, even though it's, it's a lot more impressions that I'm making on people. But is that the deep commitment that uh, you actually get to reach into your potential? Yes. It's not building a compounding relationship with one person that allows us to go deep and form this kind of broad reaching partnership. Mm, broad reaching partnership. Wow. Wow. 
I think we can close it over here. Thanks. Or do you want to do one of something else? No, 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 no. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.